This is a CBC podcast. Okay, well, it seems like it's time for lunch. Let's get it. Hey, Laura, what's for lunch? Hey, Molly. Yeah, I'm having salad as usual. Okay, I have a cheeky question for you. How much plastic packaging was involved in your lunch today? Well, to be honest with you, I do try to avoid using plastic bags, but oh, I show off. Well, I know, I know, I'm trying, but but yes, there is there is dressing in a plastic bottle, so that I'll admit to that. But uh-huh. why are you asking me? Okay, well, I'm just trying to make a point. Plastic is ubiquitous in our lives. Okay, I can hear you have something to talk about, so I'm going to put everything down. This is our producer Molly Siegel. And I'm Laura Lynch. And this is What on Earth? Where we bring you a world of climate solutions. I'm guessing this is a familiar problem for our listeners. You walk into the produce section of the grocery store, and even there you will find so much plastic packaging. So much. And that's what you're here to talk about to us today. Yeah, but I'm also here with some solutions. Before we get into that, though, I want to share a number with you. 3.4%. That's how much of the world's greenhouse gas emissions plastics alone account for. Just plastics. That's according to the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, in 2019. And that's just for that one material? That's more than I thought it could be because I, I well one of the reasons I guess is I haven't thought about it when I think about plastic I think about it on the pollution end of things you know all that plastic that's in our oceans or, or all the plastic that we see just discarded on the street yeah and and that is a huge issue and both of these reasons are why countries are working together to come up with a treaty to end plastic pollution These meetings are run by the United Nations, and they're happening this month in Nairobi. So clearly this is a global problem, but it's just one of those things that can feel so personal sometimes. It feels personal to me, so I get it. And and so it did to one listener, too, and that's why they reached out with their own plastic dilemma. Yeah, so I went looking for some answers. All right, take it away, Molly. Susie Murphy is on a mission to stop wasting plastic. I am a co-owner of a market garden farm called Big Barn Little Farm, and we're uh, outside of Antigonish, Nova Scotia. And so far, she's had luck reusing greenhouse plastic and the tarps they use for growing their vegetables. The one we've really struggled with is in our packaging of our products. All we've come up with is a plastic bag, and everyone's trying to get rid of single-use plastics and every other aspect of our lives, and this is one we just can't seem to find a way around. Instead of using plastic bags, they tried selling their greens in bulk at the market. You could bring your own container or bag or whatever it is you wanted to use and fill it up, and we would kind of charge you by weight. You know, we just had very little uptake on that. And Susie also hasn't found a plastic alternative at an affordable price that will work in her local composting facility. We weren't able to find, like, a complete swap. Susie is articulating a a very general and and common problem. My name is Myra Hurd. I'm a professor in the School of Environmental Studies at Queen's University, and I study waste issues in Canada and around the world. She says it's a dilemma many people can empathize with, the struggle to reduce the plastic packaging we use. 
Even shopping in the produce section of your local grocery store, you'll find tomatoes in plastic clamshells or cucumbers wrapped in plastic. But Myra Hurd says it's important to remember. That's a fraction of the packaging that anything we buy actually contains. From where the food is sourced to where it's unpacked at the store, there's far more packaging involved with any given item than we end up taking home with us. Whether it's the stuff we don't see or the packaging we dispose of ourselves, Myra Hurd says what we need to focus on is reducing plastic rather than recycling it because... Plastics are derived from fossil fuels. They are derived from oil and gas. And even plastics recycling requires virgin resin. And so that requires more oil and or gas. So even when we're recycling plastics, we are using oil and gas. And while much of that might feel like your personal problem, it doesn't have to be. In the EU, a packaging waste directive has countries looking at the companies making the products rather than the people buying them. For example, a new law in Germany makes companies that sell products legally responsible for the packaging. And this, in turn, gives companies incentives to move much more quickly and effectively towards eco packaging design. If a manufacturer is responsible for figuring out how to collect, dispose of, or recycle its own packaging, it would likely want to produce less waste in the first place, and maybe make what packaging it still uses more biodegradable or compostable. Alternatives that could maybe one day replace those plastic bags Susie Murphy wants to ditch. There are companies already out there trying to tackle that. My name is Nuha Siddiqui. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Earthos. Earthos started as a side project while Nuha and her co-founder were attending the University of Toronto. Now, she says her Canadian-based company is working with brands and manufacturers around the world on alternatives to plastics. It's really difficult to completely eliminate plastic packaging, especially in settings like grocery stores. We've designed various different raw materials that leverage plants and bio-based ingredients to replace traditional petroleum-based ones. And they can be used in the same way as a one-for-one replacement, but for things like film wraps and thin film packaging that are going on a lot of grocery items. Earthos is also developing a material that could be used for clamshell food packaging. And by using the byproducts of plants... What you end up with as an outcome is a product made with these materials that are ultimately designed to disappear, designed to compost, and return back into our earth. Myra Hurd says this can be a challenge with some of the plastic replacements on the market most of this, or a lot of this anyway, is not actually biodegradable in the way people uh, commonly think it is. For example, some products may have only been tested in a lab under experimental rather than real-life conditions. Nuha Siddiqui says Earthos is trying to tackle this with its own testing. So we are partnered with compost facilities and we work with them to actually test the products themselves to understand you know how quickly it's breaking down and what the impact of it is the goal is to design plastic alternatives that will last long enough for their use but will compost quickly once they're disposed of solutions like these could end up helping people like Susie Murphy as she tries to make her business plastic free for what on earth I'm Molly Siegel 
Thanks, Molly. Now, is there a climate dilemma in your life that we can try to help you solve? We would love to hear about it, so write to us, earth at cbc.ca. Or better yet, you can talk to us. You can record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us, and maybe you'll hear your voice on our show. That'd be great. If you have a question about climate change in your life, we will do our best to answer it. The email again is earth at cbc.ca. So we just heard how a couple of Canadians are tackling plastic packaging. Well, What on Earth listener Erica Hovenars wrote to tell us about a wonderful couple, as she calls them, who have a different approach to the same problem. Hi, my name is Hino Rajani. My wife, Kara, and I own and operate a factory grocery store and community hub in London, Ontario, called Reimagine Co. And so, well, the other question is, what else do you want to know? Well, we wanted to know the whole story of how they, as Erica puts it, made zero waste and organic shopping accessible to all in London and surrounding areas. Hinal, who's originally from the other London in England, moved to Canada from India in 2017. And he was shocked to find a very different Canada than the clean green place he had imagined. One of the things that, that hit me every week, all these garbage bags and blue bins put at the side of the road to be taken away somewhere. But there's no such place as a way. It always goes somewhere. Hinal and Kara decided that instead of complaining about the problem, they'd be part of the solution. At the time, like, okay, we thought, well, we can't do anything about the whole of Canada, but we can change our own footprints, our own environmental footprint, what we generate as a family. And so we made a decision, Kara and I, to live a package-free lifestyle. At first, they had to visit up to five grocery stores each week to find all their package-free items. It was chaotic, it was time-consuming, so Hinal and Kara ventured out on their own. They created a pop-up store with some funding help from the city. Neither of us had even worked in a shop before, let alone owned and operated a shop. So that was clearly mistake number one. But we did it, you know, we just jumped in and said, how can we support, how can we like create the kind of store that we wish had existed when we started on our West journey? The couple started off small, only selling 30 or so refillable bathroom and beauty products. But in 2020, they launched a crowdfunding campaign to expand. And flash forward, they now sell hundreds of dried goods, breads, frozen foods and fresh produce. That was the fun part of what we do is being able to be a part of people's journeys. People are like, oh, I never even thought about this or never realized how much we were wasting. I didn't realize there was another way. I remember this is like when I was young that we, we didn't have everything in a package. You would go to the, to the grocer or you would go to the deli or you would go to the bakery and you would bring your bags or you'd bring your whatever baskets from, from home. Hinal and Kara have also opened up a zero-waste Thing Library. Here, power tools, camping gear, kitchen equipment, things you only use a couple of times a year, can be borrowed with a yearly membership fee. So a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people thinking like, why doesn't this exist before? Why isn't this, uh, why isn't this normal? And so that's the kind of one, one of the kind of the things we were saying. And it's like, what if we just instead of going after the pandemic, instead of going back to normal, let's reimagine normal. It doesn't have to be growth, growth, growth. It doesn't have to be more, more, more. Hinal says he and Kara's goal is to move the store towards a cooperative or non-profit model so that it's actually owned by the community. I see this individual change as being a gateway drug for taking community level and wider scale collective action, direct action 
I, th I think yeah, we need we need to make massive shifts in in our society if we're going to overcome this this crisis. And it you know it can begin in the, it can begin wherever you are, wherever you are, including London, Ontario. So thanks again to What on Earth listener Erica Hovenars for telling us about Kara and Hino. And if you know somebody who's making a change for the climate in your community, email us earth at cbc.ca. I want to tell you about a conversation that's coming up on What on Earth. Now, you could call it a gold rush, but it's not quite right. It's a lithium, cobalt, copper, rare earth rush. Yep, that's a mouthful. More than that, it's a catch-22. The very materials the world needs for a greener, cleaner future present a host of global challenges for the environment and for world peace. Olivia Lazar has studied these challenges and the ways the world can rise to them. Like we're in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. That means a lot of extraction, a new wave of extraction at a moment when, well, technically our planet is in complete overshoot already. So that means that we cannot have a fourth industrial revolution based solely on extraction. We need to have reasoned extraction with a regeneration revolution. And that has a completely different outlook on the future, essentially, of relations between countries that, you know, sort of lead on industrial sort of production that are that prioritize the energy transition, whilst at the same time supporting and creating economies that are going to be regenerative in nature, that are going to sustain and maintain and protect a number of key ecosystems that we need in order to live on this planet. Olivia Lazar, a Carnegie Institute scholar, has a lot of interesting things to say. We'll hear about who the winners and losers are in this new world order and about the potential for a cleaner and more peaceful world. My interview with her soon. That's it for now. The show was put together by Vivian Luck, Danielle Piper, Rachel Sanders, Molly Siegel, Matthias Wolfson, and Catherine Rolfson. I'm Laura Lynch. Thank you for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.